Hey, welcome back to another edition of the Five Tool Podcast. I am Dustin McComas, joined once again as always by Drew Bishop. This is episode 134. It is Wednesday, November 15th, and we are brought to you by Hitforth, the high-tech development center that produces pound for pound the most powerful and complete hitters in the state, uh, located about 15 minutes from me um, in Austin, Texas, kind of on the south side. Um, I cannot recommend those guys enough. Hitforth.com, H-I-T-F-O-R-T-H.com. And also hit forth on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it is the best in Central Texas in terms of hitting development, uh, and also, you know, strength and conditioning development as well. Um, they do a phenomenal job over there. They're very accountable. They've got all the objective, uh, objective results and data to show you where you're making your progress. The video, the trained professionals, full time employees. Um, they've got it all over there. So go there and definitely check those guys out um, at Hitforth, H-I-T-F-O-R-T-H dot uh, com. Drew, how are you doing? Uh, we are kind of on the tail end of the early signing period. And we're, I guess, the fall season's over, I think. Uh, I know our fall season is over at Five Tool. It seems like Collectively across the board, um, nationally, things are are starting to die down. Uh, there might still be some stuff going on in the West Coast. Um, maybe California, Arizona, still doing some stuff out there. But uh, the fall season has effectively ended. Uh, and before we blink, we'll be at the Texas High School Coaches Association uh, convention in January, and the spring season will will definitely be here. But um, how are you doing? How how are things going in the house? How was the birthday party with with the now one year old? Uh, it was good. We uh, we made it through. Um, he we found that he doesn't like cake, uh, okay. but he will Ooh. eat cup. But he will eat cupcakes. Um, not a fan of the cake, but uh, we're good. Um, Longhorns held on again. Uh, Cowboys beat. A bad team like they beat bad teams. So from a football perspective, doing okay. Uh, been reading all the uh, the Iowa State players' comments on um, <laughs> what, what they think of uh, the Longhorn program, which um, from everything I've gathered, the program is saying thank you for that. So it uh, should be interesting. Uh, that's a tough place to win, especially at night. So um and if texas doesn't win it will put it put the big 12 in chaos period oh yeah um it goes from pretty clear cut to absolute chaos if if they uh decide to lose in in uh iowa this weekend uh but um other than that kind of slow like you mentioned uh slowing down uh i know this was always a time you know, when, when I was at Texas that you, get, you got to slow down and kind of live a normal life, kind of, kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, speaking of that, I, I had a couple guys reach out. So one new rule um, that was implemented this year on the recruiting front uh, is that starting next week. So the 21st, which I believe is Tuesday, yes. uh, the 20, 21st through the 26th is the first ever 
uh, recruiting shutdown period, like complete shutdown. It's it's even more locked down than a dead period. So just for guys out there, just understand that division coaches, I, got, I have the literature right here, but there is no recruiting context or evaluations on or off campus, no campus visits, no speaking engagements, no making or receiving recruiting phone calls, uh, and no general or electronic correspondence. So no email, no text. Um, this is new. So don't expect any Thanksgiving wishes from any coaches <laughs> next, any D1 coaches next week. Uh, I like that they're starting to implement some of these periods. Um, just, you know, just because it takes all of the pressure off of these coaches and staffs for a few days and yeah. they get to enjoy their family. Cause I have been the, uh, on the receiving end of some dirty looks at family events when I'm over here texting a recruit or just responding to kids that, you know, just kind of keeping that relationship or the dialogue going. Um, and this just takes it off the table, which I think is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. Uh, and I think I, I hope there's actually some more of these types of periods added, um, you know, in, in time, just just to allow some of these guys to to have a life. Now, I know a lot of them make a lot of money and that's always the the comeback on a lot of it. But, you know, I mean, especially you feel for for the kids in this situation, uh, their kids, the coaches, kids and families mm-hmm. and wives. And, you know, it's you know, it's, it's not enough to, to be considered a you know, quote unquote normal life in that. And everyone's busy, but still, I know it just, it, it is good that they're starting to pay attention to some of that balance because, you know, with, with the official visits being open for two years worth of classes, the portal, I mean, it's just, it, it's gotten to where it's nonstop and just at, ridiculously out of control. Um, and so if they can find some ways to alleviate that, at least at some of these, you know, family times or supposed family times throughout the yeah. year, it just, it, it's a good thing. Um, and you know, I, whatever we can do to help spread that word, just so people understand and don't get offended, you know, cause I, I know like, you know, there would be times when we'd be in a, where we couldn't respond to a kid and it's frustrating because realistically you're in the back of your mind you're thinking somebody will respond to this oh yeah i don't Mm -hmm. and so like it's it's very uh, can make you very uneasy if you're trying to play by the rules but um but yeah so that's coming up the 21st through the 26th do not expect any well wishes on thanksgiving from these coaches Um, what if what would you put the percentage at of coaches that either a don't know this is actually a thing now and B know it's a thing, but won't be able to help themselves. Cause it's gonna, it's gonna happen. Well, I mean, unless they're using a illegal second phone, like it shouldn't, like it can't, like, I mean, it should get flagged by the systems and their compliance. Cause all these people that have university phones, like it, it they're linked to compliance things that will flag these the accounts like if they, if, it, if a number goes across it they'll get flagged so unless they're using a fake or a, not a fake phone but an illegal phone um then it, it shouldn't happen any um so but i mean we'll see <laughs> eventually eventually like like football and and 
I never met a basketball coach who didn't have two phones. Like, I wonder how, I wonder when baseball kind of joins that realm where you've got, uh, you've got, everybody's got, got two cell phones. Like I, uh, yeah, never met a college basketball coach that didn't have two phones. And uh, for, for the, like the coaching side of things, like I could tell you what I, when I covered recruiting on basketball and football, oh, there was nothing worse than this kid's like, I'm going to announce my commitment on Christmas or I'm going to yeah. announce my commitment on, on New Year's Eve or just like, oh man, like the, like pulling away from your family to, it's like having to explain to him, no, like this, this, this 16 year old or 17 year old kid's really, really important. And he's going to announce his commitment somewhere. So we have to pay attention to it and have our stories ready and, and everything else. But yeah, like you said, it's, it's good that they're just like, let's just take, it out of everybody's hands and at least give you Thanksgiving and say, stop working or stop thinking about recruiting, get through the holiday. And then you can do it as, as much as you want again um, after that. So yeah, definitely a, uh, definitely a good thing there. And yeah, like we said that we've hammered this home before. I just, um, I saw something come across my, my Twitter feed about the Red Sox who have a new chief baseball for, um, officer, uh, Craig Breslow who was formerly with the Cubs and he used to be, a, he was on the 2013 Red Sox world series team. And like the Red Sox are just now hiring dietitians for each affiliate team and a roving, roving nutrition coordinator, which like you think this would be obvious, but um, th th this is the time of the year where that sort of stuff is, is really, really important. The strength and conditioning aspect and nutrition aspect, like having a time to kind of catch your breath, and you know school will be out soon and just kind of you know focus on your body and focus on improving your skill and, and these are when a lot of gains are made um these are when we hear pitchers are adding you know velocity or turning heads with with bullpens and that sort of thing and, and hitters are making strength gains and and um guys are getting you know improving their athleticism and all that sort of stuff so this is the time of the year and like we say if you're in central texas hit forth is is the place uh, to go for that sort of stuff, um, you know, especially uh, now before the spring gets gets picked up again with classes in the upcoming um, high school season. But uh, we're going to talk some some more about the recruiting aspect today, and and we're going to kind of bounce around with with you know some different topics. Um, you know, this is the time for us that I'm been hammering away at our first 2025 list in Texas, um, which will come out um, probably next week. I mean, all the writing is going to be done today, but getting that published and loaded in and images and all that sort of stuff. Um, so definitely look for that early next week. And uh, it was, it was, it was a bear of a prospect, but um, you went through and, and, and found, we always kind of like to look for trends. Are there any trends or, or what is the, what does the data tell us? What do the recruiting classes tell us um, about what's happening um, in the sport and, you know, how much is the portal impacting things? How, regional are recruiting classes, how national are recruiting classes, um, that sort of thing. So um, I know you went through and, and kind of looked at numbers where guys were signing. And, uh, um, you know, I, I think that I don't, the 2025 list, um, I was impressed with, you started to see, you started to see, you know, some, some neighboring states kind of dipping in, some neighboring mid-major programs trying to get in there. And that's something we saw at the 2024 list as well is, you know, maybe some of these regional programs are kind of recognizing that um, there's more high school talent to find in that in that middle and, and even top tier um, because of the portal and, and things like that. So 
Um, yeah, what what did you find with you know kind of diving through there? I know you looked at our 2024 list where guys were signing and just kind of trying to put the picture together of of where the top players going and and who's kind of hammering this area. Yeah, so uh, in our 2024 top 55, we have 24 different schools uh, represented on that list, and then you know there's of the 55, uh, there are 52 are committed. Um, there's one junior college commit um, at, with uh, Jake Overstreet going to Weatherford. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, three three uncommitted, and uh, of which two of them have been committed until recently. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's interesting um, just because, you know, it's so spread out. Uh, now, A&M, uh, hammered Texas. They have yeah. 10, 10 people on our, on our list. Um, and they are by far out in front. I mean, Texas was second with six, uh, OU let's see. OU. let me find my list here. Oh, you, I'm sorry. There are, there are four uncommitted. Uh, OU has three from Texas, um, Arkansas two, Texas state three, Houston two, DBU two, Texas Tech two, TCU three, LSU three. Um, so those are all the people that have uh, Vanderbilt has two. So those are all the people that have at least two um, representatives on our top fifty-five list. But but it's interesting, you know, like if if you want to scoot back a little bit and look at it nationally, like we've talked about it a couple of times that that flood of kids from the West Coast going east um is is real it's very Mm -hmm. real um we've seen you know a number of teams in this region i'm always it's always interesting to me where some of these kids you know have pipe or some of these schools have pipelines but um you know uh, one class that we hadn't talked about recently was oklahoma state um and they and they always do a good job dipping into california too which is always funny to me just because still the 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 difference between California, you know, Southern California, uh, where some of these kids are from and, and Stillwater is very different. Um, and same That's with an a lot of, same with a lot of the sec cities, uh, yeah. in general, in a different way, yeah. um, it's mm-hmm. just a, it's just a, it's a different scene, uh, for a lot of these kids. Um, but, and, and, you know, that's why when I was in Texas, I thought we did well was because that was, pretty similar to a, a Southern California or even, you know, some Austin was to, you know, it wasn't as much of a culture shock uh, for some of those kids. Uh, but, you know, I think people are just starting to put a lot more emphasis in some of these bigger programs. They want to play in front of big crowds. They want to play in nice facilities and and basically just programs that invest a lot in their program. Um, and it makes total sense, but yeah, going back to Oklahoma state, they, they did a really good job. You know, we, one of the guys that maybe one of the best performances at area code Braylon Doty um, recently committed there uh, from Murrieta, California, Chaparral high school. Uh, So that was a big, I mean, Oklahoma state got some really late big gets Uh, Sir Jamison Jones um, decommitted uh, from his, his previous school and ended up at Oklahoma state, a really good get Uh, Garrett Scholl was a guy that we absolutely loved um at at the area code games they've got cash mayfield 
so, you know, they're, they're doing well in Oklahoma. You know, we talked about, OU only had one kid from Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma state is much more heavily invested, uh, at least in this class. Uh, yeah. The they really, that okay. Fuel team that we saw, um, they had a few guys from there, uh, Brooks and, and, uh, Kale Sutterith and yeah. Cash Ferris, who I, I, I really liked, um, yeah, they they uh they they did a good job, but um yeah, like you said, they nailed two of the biggest names hanging out nationally um coming out of the summer that were uncommitted with Jones and Doty. Yeah, yeah, and then and then moving moving next door statewide uh statewide to Arkansas, they're a program that that man that they've they figured out recruiting on a national scale mm-hmm. uh, for for a smaller state and a state that just doesn't produce as many uh, major D one players per capita. They've, they have just continuously gone all over the country to, to recruit. I mean, they always pull a couple good guys from California. I'm looking at it right here. They've got Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, South Carolina, California, Missouri, uh, Nebraska represented in their class. And so, you know, they're a, they're a, a good example of a program that's truly had to recruit nationally. And they've, you know, obviously with the, with the facility that they've got and the, you know, the, the long run now of success that Dave Van Horn's program has put together. It's uh, it's impressive. Um, And it's not easy. It's not easy to recruit that way, especially when you have a, a, if you're located in a place that's not extremely easy to get to, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and like like I said, going back to the SEC, there's a lot of programs that are kind of like that. Um, smaller towns that aren't located with gigantic airports that are tricky to get to, and it, so it makes it even you know it's just one more layer um, to show how how well some of these teams are recruiting and you know what what they've put together as programs. But um, you know it's funny too, you know, talking about some of the some of the trends. I was curious to look and see, you know, I I over the past couple past week or so, I talked to a couple kids or families that, you know, going through the recruiting process and trying to figure it out and kind of frustrated and just kind of wondering about, Hey, are we paying attention to the right things? You know, stuff like that. Um, so one thing that kind of got me thinking, I was really curious, you know, we, we talk about it a lot. Um, you know, when you're going through their process, like what you're committing to, right. You know, is it, is it the program? Is it the coach? Is it this, the town? You know, like what, what kind of things are you, do you put priority on? Um, and, and so I was curious, you know, I, a lot of people are going places because of coaches and rightfully so, because that's going to be who has a huge impact in a lot of ways on, on your development and your uh, time as a player and your experience at these schools. So I was just curious, I, I went back, um, you know, for those that don't know, there are 22 colleges that play division one baseball in the state of Texas. Um, and I was just curious to see what the turnover looked like at those places uh, over the past five years. Um, so I, I mean, real simple exercise, but just went back and went through the coaching staffs on all 22 of those teams, just to get a feel for like, you know, how, how much real turnover is there. Um, so at those, at those 22 schools, uh, 10 of them had the same head coach that they did during the 2019 season. So 10 out of 22 had the same head coach. Um, and obviously in 2019, there were only 
there were 44 full-time assistants, uh, obviously for, so two at each of the 22 schools. Mm-hmm. And of those 44, um, only 13 of those guys are still at the same school. And wow. a cup, a couple of them have moved into the head coaching role. So you have Kirk Sarlus, who was at TCU, mm-hmm. uh, who was as the pitching coach, uh, has now moved into the head job. And then also um, at Texas State, uh, Stephen Trout was yeah. assistant coach and m- moved in when Coach Harrington retired. Um, so, you know, just something to think about, you know, because five years, a lot of a lot of the time, you know, if you're a senior, you know, and you play end up playing four years of college baseball, that's that window. That's the window that you are going to be um, in a program. So, you know, just just looking at it, I mean, it you know, it, it's interesting. It, it's just something to pay attention to, um, you know, and help guide yourself. You know, I, I mean, I think that the easy takeaway is don't, don't expect the same staff to be there in completely intact. Now yeah. of those, of those 22 schools, there are two schools that are completely intact from head coach down to the two assistants that were there in 2000. 19 can you name them Ooh. don't you don't did you did you already read our no our I, I mean okay. i i read it but i didn't like put okay so the, the, there are there are two schools that have the exact mm. same staff uh obviously with you know keeping in mind that you know there's a third assistant now but the the two assistants that were there in 2019 are still there there's so texas there's tech is one they are one the other one surprised me. I just, just cause I'm not as familiar with the program, but um, yeah. It's, it's gotta be a mid major. I don't know the second one. Cause it's not Texas. It is. State. It's Lamar. Lamar. Oh, Lamar. Okay. Yeah. So okay. Um, I just, you know, from, in a four, pretty short window, five years. Um, that that is the those are the only two staffs a, that are completely yeah, intact. That's, that's a lot of um, turnover, especially too. Like I mean, this was pre third assistant time too. So right now, I yeah. will say there there were there were a couple of program like so. John Delora was the volunteer at TCU, and he got um, promoted, who is, yeah. and he's now the recruiting coordinator, mm-hmm. but. Um, still not not really a needle mover when it comes to like the numbers, uh, the overall yeah. numbers. Yeah. Um, but man, it's it's it was interesting. I, I I was surprised that there was that few uh when it came to the assistants still being there. But yeah, because there's a handful, you know, there's been quite a few, you know, 12 schools have changed head coaches, um, and 10 of them, uh, 10 of which are completely new so there were no, there wasn't a lot of holdover but just just something interesting i thought uh when going through it um you know i mean you want to assume that the guy that's recruiting you is going to be there but mm-hmm. you know a lot of times if if they perform really well which you want a lot of those guys are going to be looked at for promotions or moving yeah. on to other jobs and then if they're not doing well the money has grown enough in the coaching industry in baseball which is a good thing uh, but it's a bad thing in a sense that there's seemingly a much quicker trigger for people to get fired. Um, and so, you know, just, just a, I don't know, a data point, 
uh, for people if they're thinking about that going through yeah. the recruiting process. And, um, you know, it's it, we, we still don't know the, the full effects of I, I don't think the portal effects have normalized completely. No, uh, uh-uh. but but you but but we talked about it the last couple of weeks. There's there are ver- there are differing um, strategies for some of these schools when they decide to go through the recruiting process. You know, like, are they going to take less? in the early signing period and wait some for the portal? Or are they going to wait till later when some of the schools start uh, dumping guys or losing guys? Um, you know, it's, it, it's very interesting to follow if, if nothing else. Um, and there's, you know, there's several ways you can look at it or several ways you can do it, but just familiarizing yourself what, with what people typically do, I think is helpful. Um, and, you know, it's just something that, you know, as, people that follow it very closely just because we enjoy it. And because it's part of our job, it's just something that I always seem to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, those, yeah, those are, those are fascinating numbers coming. I mean, it's 2019. That's not, that's not that far. I, at least now with the recruiting rules, the way they are, you're going to get more kids that wait to make commitments because they're forced to wait, but also right. too, like, they start waiting and, you know, then they just, you know, kind of keep waiting and take their time and take take their visits and stuff. I feel like visits mattered more this cycle or at least more kids are yeah. talking about well, visits or you know, just like it just seems like it's more of the process now. Like that's actual part of the decision making. Like, yeah, there's still a lot of these classes where the kids are taking their official visits in the fall and it's like the signing class. Like they've been committed for a while, but we're seeing more instances where there are kids going around taking their is in the fall that haven't committed yet. And that's, that's a part of the, um, that's a part of the process. And also too, I think we've seen, you know, one of the byproducts of the coaching staff turnover is if a new set of eyes gets in there and especially if that set of eyes is a recruiting coordinator and they're going around doing their work on the guys they've had committed, like, you know, it's, there's there's a chance that that you you don't fit you know what what that coach right. is looking for or what that what he envisions the class being and, and that sort of stuff and again I think that that's something that will not be as prevalent when there aren't as many guys committing when they're freshmen and sophomores because right. they can't now right. Um, right. but that's that's been a part of the process too and and you know it's just like you might commit to that recruiting coordinator or, or that assistant coach, and maybe he's gone and maybe the new guy just has a different idea of what he wants in pitchers, hitters, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, that's like you said, you, you, you've got to commit to um, it's fine to commit to a coach, but you have to understand that it's not a guarantee that that coach is, is going to be there. Um, even a head coach. I mean, it's, yeah it's getting even more and more cutthroat and and we see it in the recruiting styles. Like why do coaches at a lot of these major D one programs hammer the portal? It's, it's the less, it's the least risky guy to go after. Cause you've got the data, you've got the video, you've got other coach feedback. You've, you've probably, you maybe even played against this guy or seen him live. You know, it's just, it's, it's just such a lower risk profile than than taking a high school guy where you just you know you don't quite know for sure um how that's well, you, gonna, gonna translate. and you have you have better video uh yeah. a lot of times you have real analytics 
on oh synergy and and yeah all that sort of data that you just against good competition too that, that's right. the thing right. it's like you know you're it's it's good on good when you get to this level no doubt yeah Which and, is, and i the one thing that i i don't like and i think this will go away some um just because it, it was a byproduct i think of the rules you know where so, a lot of the kids had committed really early so you were seeing some of these kids that were dropped um, within the past month, which I'm not a fan of, no, uh, but at the same time, signing. at the same time, um, you know, it's, if you step back and look at it, big picture, you know, if, if they weren't likely to, uh, be able to have a chance to contribute at a place or, and they got kind of pushed down to the side and didn't have any focus on their development, um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of scenarios where while it's painful currently for these kids, I think there's some truth to the fact that now they may get to step back and reassess and uh, go to a program that um, that may have a better chance to develop them or they may get more mm-hmm. likelihood to, for playing time. I was talking to, you know, the dad of, of, a, of 2025 yesterday that has been kind of frustrated by the process, a good player um, that you know, it's, it's tough to look around and see your friends that you think you are every bit as good as, um, committing to places. Yeah. And, you know, and we preach this a lot, like you cannot, you're going to, you're going to set yourself up for some, for some heartbreak and some failure when you compare other situations, because you don't know what the situation is for everyone going to a place. You know, you may think that your buddy over here that's committed has a scholarship when in fact he might be a walk on. Right. Yeah. Or or he could just take a much smaller offer because the family had money or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um there's so many variables in it that you you you're better off served by not comparing your situation to others, which I know is really a lot more e- a lot easier said than done, of course. Um but you know, as much as you can kind of use that, incorporate that in your thinking on this uh, and just be focused on finding a place that fits for you. I think that's, I think that's a big, a big part of um, it, it takes some maturity for sure. Uh, and some, and some guidance, you know, it's not, it's not something that a lot of kids come by on their own right off the bat, but mm-hmm. it is, it's important, you know, like, I mean, I, and you know, we've talked about it before the further we get from it or, you know, the further I get away from being in the D one landscape, you know, I, the more I, believe you know if you if if your goal is ultimately to play professional baseball you have got to play you've got to play this game it's a game of reps um and you know some guys that's not their goal like if it happens great but their key of their future is getting a good education and being in a you know a certain school that you're going to have fun and enjoy you know and that's okay everyone is looking for different stuff so um just keep that in mind, you know, if you're somebody that's out there or somebody, you know, is going through the process and, um, you know, I think that's, that's a healthier way of approaching it. Um, and again, obviously a lot easier said than done. Uh, but you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of heartache to be had if you're out there comparing your situation to other people. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and, you know, like we've we've said before i'm hopeful the new recruiting rules kind of lessen that because there just won't be you know oh my buddy that's a freshman is already committed to you know oklahoma or something like that like that that sort of cycle is 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 ending but yeah it's it's still really 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 hard and like you said like there's 
you don't know when, when, when your buddy commits or somebody you've played against or somebody, you know, like you don't know. It's not like football or basketball where it's like, ah, oh, full scholarship offer, you know, like you don't, you don't know. Maybe you got a bunch of academic money. Maybe there's something in, that he was able to apply for because of his family or his background, or maybe he's a, just a preferred walker. Like you just don't know. Like, um, you know, just like I say, the, the talented players, um, they're always going to find a place, you know, and I, I think we, I think it's, it def it started, I think with the 24 group, but I feel like you're seeing more guys ending up at places where playing time is more realistic than maybe in the past where and we still, look, we've still seen some major D one programs in this region that have a ton of high school commitments and, um, I saw, uh, I saw Justin Seeley post a stat today about the number of the percentage of freshman players, um, who play at those, those respective programs. Um, it's, it's a very, very low percentage and it's, and it was also on the mid-major side, but I think a part of that too is I don't think mid-majors in the past were getting the caliber of high school recruits that they're starting to get. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're dipping into a talent tier now, that I mean, just look at that 2024 list. I mean, a, a guy like Brooks Roberson is is going to Louisiana Tech, like Brady Coe um, to ACU. I mean, we've talked a long time about the work that Texas State is doing, and um, they've got a freshman that showed up this year that's that's been hit leadoff and playing shortstop for him, and Ryan Farber. Like we've talked about what DBU's done and, and UTSA has done, and you know, I think these programs are starting to get a different level of recruit because of the portal and because of how some of those um, major D one programs are recruiting. If you go down the, you know, our just missed list, you know, I, I've, it's kind of, I've, I've noticed, you know, programs like Louisiana Monroe are, are really starting to get into Texas and getting some good players like a Trenton Buckley, who was a, a late uh, commitment. Um, Zeke Sione, they committed really early on. Who's been a really, really good catcher um for years um oral roberts has gotten into the state started doing you know doing some work there uh we've talked about sammy state in a long time in the, in the junior colleges and things like that so i think that the the mid majors are starting to get a uh what is a cat in my backyard i've never seen that cat before um the mid majors are starting to get a, a caliber of recruit i think that they haven't gotten in the past which um, you know, and those guys are going to go there and play. I mean, you know, I think a classic example of that is the guy we talked about in the past in, in Ryan Black, who was a longtime UTA commit. And then when that new staff came in with Clay Van Hook and those guys, they made it a point to try to retain Ryan Black. And they did. And what happened? Like, he was a really good hitter as a freshman. Like, you know, and, and that's not going to be the case for everybody that goes to a mid-major that's talented. Some guys are more ready than others. But I think we're starting to see more of that where guys understand – like you said, you've got to play like you, you've got a more like a vast majority of players need to play in order to keep getting better. Uh, it's mm -hmm. there's just not many guys who can sit and bide their time. And look, some guys just need to get stronger. And that's a part of it. Um, but with a lot of these guys, they, ju they just got to play. And I feel like we're starting to see more of those caliber players that five years ago would have been a. OU, Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, Baylor, you know, Power Five commit are now, you know, a Louisiana Tech commit or a Texas State commit or Sam Houston State commit or going to a top junior college program. And I think those guys are are, are going to benefit. And, you know, let's be honest, too, like 
some of those guys are probably thinking I can go to these places. And if I'm really, really good, guess who's going to want me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> those programs that are hammering the portal right now. Yep. Yep. And I, it, it matters. I mean, and two, it's, uh, you know, we're, as we're getting one thing that I've been following kind of as we're getting into the high school football playoffs, there's a lot of good senior high school football players um, yes. that are uncommitted in baseball. Um, and I miss bringing them up whenever we were talking about Oklahoma state commits, but or signees now, but Caleb Hoover um, the other day had, let's see, six touchdowns passing in the playoffs, 462 yards throwing to one of the guys that we're talking about an uncommitted senior baseball player, Drew Smith, mm-hmm. who had 13 catches for 250 yards and five touchdowns. Um for, Five for receiving Heath. touchdowns in a game. Yes. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can carry that over. They, they've got Duncanville this week. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so good luck to those guys. But, yeah, no, I mean. And, then, and, what's, and what stinks about, about those guys is, is, you know, colleges love multi-sport guys. Yep. Like, uh, we don't talk to a college coach that doesn't like guys that can show their athleticism and competitiveness and – in another sporting arena. Um, but if you're on a really, really good football team and you're a big part of that team, guess what you can't do on the weekend? Right. It's hard to go to a camp. You know, it's, it's hard to go give a program a look. Like a lot of these guys get beat up on Friday night. They can't turn around and drive a couple hours Saturday and go show up and, and hit good pitching or, you know, like, so um, there's going to be players like that that are still uncommitted like a Drew Smith who are really talented, had a good summer, can really run, are obviously really good athletes um, that are still kind of hanging out there. But, you know, there's always going to be a spot for those guys. And I know it's hard for those guys to not compare themselves to everything else that's going on. But, um, you know, talent always, always finds a home. And, you know, Hoover is (laughs) – you start looking at (laughs) what he's done. He was – let's see. Looking at his five-tool profile. So he was MVP of the Connie Mac. Huge deal. Uh, he was on our all-festival team. He is an area code guy. He's a 55 guy. And now he's prob- he's one of the he's one of the best quarterbacks in DFW, right? Like Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's I mean, a he's just a winner. He's a winner. Like, he's uh, a winner. Bottom, you know? line. And bottom line. Yeah. It's it's you know, the more we kind of dive into players and follow their careers. Yeah, big, and, and big big brother almost brought uh tcu back against big the brother I, I thought big brother played well i know he that he had a, he had a really good second half yeah he he it, he had a couple throws in that first half he definitely wanted back but um he played he played well in the second half um and he was a big reason why like if you looked at the um the win expectancy data based on you know plays and results and all that sort of stuff like tcu actually had a higher win expectancy and Texas did, and that was part of you know, a big reason why it was Hoover in the second half. But the more we do this, and the more I, I talk to people and think, like makeup matters, and like you can really figure out a lot of, about a guy's makeup by what he does in another sport, like yeah. you know, going out and competing and, and being part of a team and and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's just just more evidence that you know Caleb Hoover is definitely one of the the better makeup guys. Um, in the state of Texas, but yeah, it's just every week. I feel like I see, you know, film of, of football players come through and some of those uncommitted guys. And I know I've talked to some of them before. And I know that they're kind of 
frustrated because they can't go do these camps and things like that. And we know how much colleges are recruiting these camps right now and, and how big of a piece of the puzzle that is. But we also always say, don't go show up to a camp if you're going to, if you haven't picked up a bat in four weeks or you just took, you know, 17 hits and on Friday night because you're catching 23 passes or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's plenty of, plenty of talented players still hanging out there and, um, you know, with the way junior college, I mean, junior college baseball, I think just continues to be a, a winner in all this and be an even a more appealing place, um, as we go through because, because of the portal, um, and because of the development that's starting to occur in those areas and because of the talent level, that's getting to the junior colleges as well. Like these are talented programs that the competition you're going to play is really good. Yep. Yeah, that, that's that's right. I mean, it, the the level of it going across the country is is it's growing. I mean, I I think that it's more competitive. Um, you know, I know when I was in Texas, one of the toughest things to do for a freshman was understand that everyone that you play, you can can beat you. You know, those those mm. Tuesday games are not to be taken lightly. Uh, no, uh-huh. because especially in this part of the country, because there are so many good teams, uh, mid majors that are in this area that, that can play. And a lot of times they're older, um, and you know, a lot more experienced. Um, so it's, it, it's a tough, it, it, it can be tough. And, you know, that's only, that's only growing, um, you know, with the, with the level of, of junior college baseball in the state, the portal, like it's only going to get tougher. Um, and it's, it's more competitive. And then, you know, too, I, I know we've mentioned it, but I don't think people really truly grasp how much, uh, convincing the draft was going to affect college baseball, but it's had a huge effect. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of good guys that are coming back to college for mm-hmm. a fourth or fifth year. Um, and you know, it's just, it, it makes for some, a, a good, a good college baseball product, which we love, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's some trickle down that takes some time for people to adjust their thinking on how the recruiting process goes and all that. But, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we talk about the, the two sport things, um, you know, I keep playing them that, that would always be my recommendation. Yes. Keep playing them, learn the lessons, develop your body, have fun. Um, uh, because, you know, once you get to college, it becomes a, a full-time job, you know, mm-hmm. whether we want to say that or not it's it's reality i mean it's you don't get a normal experience um that doesn't mean you won't have a great experience playing college baseball uh, and having fun at a school that you go to but real reality is if you want to be really good you're gonna have to put in a lot of time to do it so mm-hmm. um but yeah no. um yeah and before we get out of here um speaking of football um uh, thinking about our our 2025 list um I, I, I few of them on there. I was going to say, I'm looking players. at, I'm looking at Jonah Williams. Uh, I, I'm having a hard Spo- spoilers, huh? You're going, <laughs> you're going spoilers already. I, I'm not, well, I, I'm not going to reveal where he's ranked. It's high. And um, part of me wonders if, if it's not high enough because I can't like, You've seen his football film, obviously, because I mean he's a he's a major Texas target. Yeah, I can't think of the last time he's a monster. We've seen a legitimate baseball prospect with his physical traits 
like I, I when's the last time we've seen a 6'3, 200 guy, 200 pound guy that was like a legitimate baseball prospect? Like I can't I can't think of I was trying to think like I mean, it's probably from a physical specimen standpoint, it's probably tough. But like, I mean, we've had some really good quarterbacks, right? Yeah, we've had Um, some really good football players. But like, from a, you know, because I had a recruiting coordinator give me a a Chad Jones comp for for Williams, which a little little PTSD there for me. Yeah, which um, I was like, man, I was like, yeah, you're 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 probably right. And I was like, it, 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 is it hyperbole for me to say that he's the most physically impressive athlete that maybe I've seen like, hmm. you know, in Texas in, in recent memory, that that's a, that's a big time baseball player. Like I was struggling with, with coming up with, I, um, I'm I've got, I've got, okay. So I'm looking at our 23 list. Mm-hmm um nobody really stands out there i mean not Mm -hmm. definitely not to the level i mean who was it um uh shoot i i have uh jaquay stewart was a good football player um not not to this level but he was a good physical football player filibuster for a little bit let me let me find our 2020 yeah like in in he's uh, like this, so this class is is really its top tier is is deep. It's it's a deeper top tier of player than maybe any other class since I've been since, since we've been doing these lists, which first started in in twenty twenty two, which I still kind of cringe every time I kind of look back at that because we <laughs> I've learned a lot since since uh, since we put together our our first list um, in that class, but. Like and he's a guy that is that is in that tier, and he's he's just such a unique wild card because of the athleticism, because of the size, because he is a major football prospect. So there there aren't many people that have seen him play like baseball like extensively. Um. So it's but I, I just was going through there and I was like I don't I can't remember the last I, time I keep I keep seeing a lot of uh, Brenner Cox was a good football player. Yeah. Um, I keep seeing a lot of guys that like you could say, oh yeah, I bet this guy would be really good, but that didn't really play or didn't play all the way through. Yeah, like it's you know, I mean Jack I mean, Jack Livingstone's brother, Parker. Yeah, but even still, like if when Jack when Parker Livingstone gets off the bus and Jonah Williams gets off the bus, like there's <laughs> there's a pretty there's a pretty stark difference. Like, no offense to, to Parker. I mean he, hell of a football player but like i mean i think jonah williams probably look probably make blake mitchell look small to an extent you know like you know it'd be like if blake mitchell could run a four or five and was it like in a, like one of the best linebackers in the nation like it's so he he's just so fascinating to me um because he could be like i mean his brother was a second round pick in in and there are people you talk to people about Jonah Williams, and they're like, "Yeah, he might end up being better than his brother at baseball, but he's also like a, an amazing football player." So, um, yeah, we were talking about football. I was just kind of peeking at our list, and, Car- and I know Carter Carter Rutenbart has put up monster numbers. I think they're undefeated. So, still. yeah, they and they they will. Um, let's see, 
let me make sure. So I know that they next assuming they beat Marshall this week, they will run into um the winner of Melissa and South Oak Cliff next week. Ooh. Yeah. That isn't yeah. yeah. I uh so yeah, Carter Carter's been lighting up the, the, the scoreboard. So um, Carter's summer teammate, Braxton Van Cleve, um was the Mansfield quarterback. And he had the unfortunate uh, playoff schedule of playing DeSoto in their first game. Um, <laughs> but he rushed for over 100 yards on nine carries. So that might might end up being one of his his uh, best athletic feats. Um, of but this this list is, I mean, Rutenbar, Van Cleve, obviously Jonah Williams. Um, you kind of go down the list here. Um, like Ty Powell? actually has some like really good football film as a, as a DB at, at full year, uh, locking up some really, really good players, but you keep going down and uh, Dean Hanna is a, is a, it's got some really cool. Yeah. He's a, he's a heck of a, like H back tight end kind of a player at China spring light on his feet moves. Well, it, it's fun. Guy. Obviously Ed, Ed small's gotten so good at football that like he's a football yeah. prospect now. Like, there's, there's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. That's he's a, a he's another one that's, um, you know, just put up monster Co- numbers. Cooper Rummel, I don't think he plays football, but he looks like a middle linebacker. Yes. Yeah. He definitely looks the part of a, a very, very um, physical linebacker type. Um, I, I don't think Mason Murphy plays football, but his dad played in the dad NFL. Did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he yeah. certainly looked the part there. But um, yeah. So like, you know, just kind of talking like the, the top tier of this list. It was a difficult to to order. B, it's really really deep with like truly elite level prospects. Um, and the middle tier is really really strong too. I don't think it quite has the depth of some of our previous classes, like like the you know the fifty to 75, 75 to hundred those types of players. There's it's not quite as deep. Maybe that changes over time. I mean, so these guys still have two high school seasons, but. Um, do you want to pick one player to reveal the ranking of one player that you're just a, oh. you're, you're a plant the flag in the ground kind of, kind of a guy like, like, um, don't do anybody in the top five. Okay. Well, maybe I'll do number six. then. I think six would that, be good. Six is the one that. I like that I had in my mind before you even said anything, but um, because I think I think coming coming out of the coming out of the summer, number six would not have been number six. It would have been it it would have been way up there, but not six. But then in the fall, it was like oh man, (laughs) like it's well and and it's coming on. We we may look back at this time next year and think six was really low. Um, Okay. But I'm going to, that he's going to be, he's going to be my pick for right now, but yeah, Brody walls is just, he's a stud. I mean, bottom line, like he, um, you know, he think he was a little tired by the time as the summer wore down, but man, like he might, he might've been the best guy on that blue Jays pitching staff or excuse me, Rangers scout team pitching staff this fall. I mean, like, he was electric, electric. Mm-hmm. When we, whenever we saw him in the fall, man, the ball, and it's a little bit different too. You know, I know I always talk about, I like guys that are a little bit different, um, but it's not, it's not, 
like it's just a different look. Like I think the ball, the way the ball explodes out of his hand um, is unique. I mean, it, it, it's obvious. Like you can, he was getting some really bad swings from some of the junior college teams they were playing this fall. Um, And there's some electricity in those arms in that arm. Um, The ball just jumps out of his hand and he's got a really good breaking ball. Uh, There's real athleticism there. Um, be interesting to see. I mean, the stuff is the stuff plays, uh, mm-hmm. and it, if it continues to get better and better, I mean, he's that's that's a heck of a piece for for Texas to have in the fold. Um, if they have a chance to get him to college, I mean, he's he's going to be one that the, the stuff is just undeniable. Um, uh, that may make him sweat a little bit. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, Brody Walls. Uh, that that's my guy. I mean, like it's not like I said. It sounds crazy that we're talking about him at six maybe being too low. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, he, he's a guy, he, he's one, definitely one of my favorites in this class by far. He, the way we, when I watch him, I see it. And then the way we talk about him, but also too the way people are starting to talk about him nationally. Um, I know he's caught the eye of the guys at baseball America from, you know, looking at like their early draft coverage for for this group and stuff like that. Like he reminds me a lot of the way people talk about Levi Sterling right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Levi Sterling is is definitely um on on the draft radar as like a like a major major prospect in in that class. So yeah, it, it's the arrows is even pointing up even from from the number six spot. Um, but again, it just goes to show you, I mean, a, how talented that top tier is and B, you know, the difficulty of, of kind of slotting those guys, um, in there and, uh, and stuff like that. So, um, I'm going to pick, a, I'm going to pick a guy, um, you know, I, I pick a guy that I had a, a little bit. I didn't quite know where to slot this guy because I feel like he's, he's been underrated. So he's definitely been underrated, like in terms of just coverage and in general and things like that. Um, And he might not quite have the like pure stuff upside of some of the other right-handed pitchers in the state. And there's a long list of, of really good right-handed pitchers. I mean, I'm going through this here. One, two, um, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I mean, we got nine and in, in nine guys that are legit kind of right-handed pitchers in the top 30. I mean, you just kind of go down. There's a lot of them. Um, but like we always, in, in, long story short about how we try to do these is we start with a pure scouting approach to this. What's, what are the tools? What's the talent? What kind of prospect is this? How does he, how does he fit um, in the, in the game now in the future as well? Like, where is he going to play on the field or, you know, what's the delivery like? What's the athleticism like on the mound? What's the stuff like, can you project it? Like, we try to start with a, a definite base layer of like if a scout, if a professional scout was looking at this and, and putting together a pref list, we try, we would try to mimic that from the way we approach it. Um, but we also too 
keep in mind and, and value, you know, the performance element as well. Like it's one thing to have the talent and the tools and all those sorts of things. And, and one of the things that's always stuck with me is a, is a, you know, longtime sky director told me, you know, Hey, don't ride the the waves of performance with these high school guys, just stick with the tools because that's, that's eventually that's going to play out. Um, but we do value the, the performance aspect of this and like Jackson Rickert, it's just like everywhere that guy has gone, he's just performed. And I think that he's, you know, one of the you know popular memes right now is, you know, he got that dog in him with the little image yeah. of the, yeah. you know, the, the x-ray with the dog in there. Mm-hmm. And like, he is the best example in this class of that. Like, I think if you talk to anybody that coached him and we have, or you talk to anybody that's played against them. And I've talked to some really talented hitters that, that saw him in the spring and like, if there's a guy in the state, it's like, hey, hand the ball to this guy. You're gonna get, you're gonna get the performance that you need. It's it's him. And um, we've got him at 23. And um, I want to say that's that's got to be you know much higher than kind of the the general um, internet consensus right now. But like, the slider is real, and he can command it. And yeah, it's it's probably 86, 89 right now. I think there's some things in the delivery that. Um, he can clean up to keep tapping into that athleticism because he's, he's an impressive athlete. Like he's got some videos of doing like box jumps and things like that. Like he's, he's well put together. Um, but I was just like, it, it's, it's gotta matter that that guy in this the multiple summers. Now he's dominated the summer circuit, dominated it. Like nobody's hit him. And in the spring, you know, for Lake Ridge, like he was their dude in the playoffs. I remember there was like a must win game for them to advance in the playoffs, or maybe it was to like qualify for a certain position of playoffs, whatever it was, it was a huge game. And he went out and struck out 11 dudes. And I think through a CG or through six and two thirds, like that's just the kind of guy he is. So um, I just think like, well, the I, more, I've always, the more I've we always do used... these, I think makeup matters. And like, that is a makeup guy that also has one of the best breaking balls in the state. Yeah, well, I, my comp for him's always been Chance Ruffin. Um, oh, yeah, that is a really good one. And yeah, Chance was overlooked coming out of Lake Travis, and shoot, we didn't even know what we had in him until he was, you know, a month into his freshman year. I mean, mm-hmm. we we that's were... that's that's the best comp you've ever had. Okay, I mean, I sure that's I, the best I'll one. I'll take it. I'll I'll take it. Um, I. I like some of my other ones too, but yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> well, of course, not... no bias. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but sure. I'll take it, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just, he has, he pitches like him um, and similar size, similar type stuff at that mm-hmm. point in his career. Um, and uh, yeah. Similar kind of lower one. slot, really like, you know, and, and rough and I'm looking at now, he, he was listed at six foot two ten. Um I don't, I don't know if Rickard's six foot. He's probably like five ten. But I mean, it's that, it's that kind of build too. You know, like it's, you know, kind of a compact, but got some strength and athleticism kind of build. So, um, yeah. So he's gonna, he's gonna debut at, uh, at number twenty three, um, on our first list. And um, yeah, it's a uh, debut, man. They've got you again they've got one two three four five they've got five guys on the on the first 55 list so 
they continue to do a, a really, really They're good job. They're stacking classes. They yeah. are. They, they are. And it's 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 showing in the results, but it's also showing MLB draft time um, as well. But uh, yeah, so that'll that's that'll come out um, probably next week. Uh, I hate releasing news on like Friday because it's just like people kind of check out. They're ready for the weekend, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's done. It's uh It'll 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 come out early next week. Um, before we get out of here, any any more football takes? Any more um, any more food food takes? Ooh, uh, um, new Whataburger being put in about oh aisle from the house. Oh wow! So what's your go to order? Like, are you a huge Whataburger guy? Like, is it? Um, I mean. I love Whataburger. Yeah, but it's um, not like you're not going there every week. No, 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 no. It's it's a um, it's a splurge Spl- item yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you what my order was when I was in college. That might be more interesting. <laughs> yes. Well, tell uh, us both. Give us the college one and give us the now the now more I conscious can... of of being a dad. Um, one. Yeah. No. Well, now my order now is just double cheeseburger meal i mean pretty pretty standard but we would always try to go at like you know show up at 1101 so we could get breakfast and dinner mm-hmm. um at, at at night at the the night 1101 p.m um so i would always get the double double meal or actually just the double double um with a chicken strip meal um with the gravy but then would add two taquitos <laughs> and two honey butter chicken biscuits. Oh my gosh! Yeah, oh. potato egg and potato egg and cheese on the taquitos because they would always they put the hash browns. So in, you were so. dropping like what, like 30, 40 bucks at Whataburger? No, it wasn't that much back then. Mm, I don't know. Now it would be. Now yeah. it would be probably like fifty bucks. Um, but yeah, no, that, that would have been a pretty standard order back then. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's uh but Hey, just, I was thinking about this, you know, they, they have the Whataburger that's like right there on campus now, like right there mm-hmm. on Guadalupe. I can't even imagine if they had had that when we were in college. It's bad. It, it would have been. Cause that was, that was like two blocks from where I lived. Yeah. That would have been for, really, for three really, years. Really, really bad. I had a friend, a good friend that every time. We went downtown. He would get pledges to take him to the one um, near the intramural fields, like every single time. So yeah. much so that like he knew everybody that worked there. Um, yeah. But because that was like that's where you had to go if if you were going to go back then. It was like well you, that you or that. The what was the other one? one. The, the okay, so one. that was closer to the, to the field and stuff. Um, yeah, and they also had that one over on Altorf as well, right off Altorf and thirty five, but. Yeah, I mean that was our that was our closest one. So yeah, it would have been it would have been so 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 dangerous Ugh. if that was there. I, I mean, any, a lot of those places would have just would have just wrecked us. But um, yeah. I have grown partial to the patty melt with grilled jalapenos. Okay. Like that's kind of my that's my go to. But um, yeah, taquitos man are like solid. Oh, you know? so good just solid and i don't know what it is like i don't like picante sauce but i like it with that like it's like the only you know it's not something i seek out but it it goes great with the taquito so well congrats to a congrats man 
new HEB, getting the new Whataburger. It's, we're on uh, the we're on the we're on the come up. On the on the up and up there. Um, all right, what's your what is your prediction for uh, Saturday night in in Ames? Are, is there going to be are we going to have a chaotic weekend in college football, or are oh, we just going to keep chugging not. along here and and um, I'm make gonna the go committee with, have I'm to gonna... make some really tough decisions? Man, I'm going to say they're going to – if I want to just be lazy and say they're going to do what they've done three of the last four weeks, they're just going to get a big lead and then hang on. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say – like, how I see it playing out. I'm going to say like uh, 30 to 27 Texas is my guess. Wow, okay. Yeah, and the Cowboys play Carolina. So, you know Ooh, what? Yeah, you better not hey, lose that one. Hey, you know what cost me? This cost me two fantasy matchups. So, the Cowboys kept throwing the ball deep and, you know, pushing the ball and even, you know, even with backups. And they were – I mean, CeeDee Lamb stayed in the long, game all the time. But as a result, like, instead of just running out the clock, um, I felt like – you know, the, the la- Greg Olson kept talking about it, but the last, like, minute of the Cowboy game, like, the, the Giants kept calling timeouts and, like, mm-hmm. there was penalties, and they scored to go from 10 to 17 points. That touchdown cost me two different two different fantasy matchups. Oof. Or, and I would have been five for five if, if that – that, but I, I have to think that that had something to do with it. But they'll continue to just pound – bad teams like they do mm-hmm. so um yeah there's long, long... strangely enough there's a scenario where if the Steelers win this week if a couple if two other results happen they'll be first in the AFC that's crazy which is is absurd they've been they've been I think outgained for nine straight games yeah it's like it's first the, time it, in history they're like the best average team in the NFL it's I mean, I don't, I don't, and they also had this weird stat where like they've given up the least amount of points when they commit a turnover, but they've also gained the most amount of points when they force a turnover. It's like a lot of fluky things that just like will not sustain themselves. Um, But yeah, I don't, I know after this Iowa state um, bulletin board material, I could see Texas kind of hammering those guys pretty, pretty good and aims um, but, but my, my, my head tells me it's going to play out like the last three weeks where it's just like holding on well, for they, dear it, life and yeah. trying to get a stop late in the game to, to get out of there with a win. At what, it, whatever. That At this point. Yeah. It's so. just, it's just whatever. Just, just, you know, figure out how to win this. All right. One last one. Does Washington lose? Do we finally get a, a piece of the puzzle there at the top lose? Cause they're, they're at Oregon state. Um, at night, Oregon State is actually a two and a half point favorite in this. That game. is bizarre. That's crazy to me. The fact that they're a favorite. Um, I don't know. Like the fact that they're a favorite may be what they need. I mean, or that that Oregon State is a favorite may be what Washington needed. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they were just overlooking them, but I mean, I'm sure that helps yeah. in you know the preparation. I mean, they've had a tough slate. Um. And then, but yeah, I, yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Um, pretty decent slate. There's some good games to pay attention to. So. Yeah. Over under at game 63. Um, 
I would, I would almost expect the over. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of points. But I mean, Oregon State kind of like they play Washington, and the next week they play Oregon. Like it's they could uh, they could yeah. do a lot of damage to the uh, to yeah. the playoff picture. Um, I think Georgia's get a boat race Tennessee, but you know the, yeah. Tennessee's not an easy place to play. Uh, yeah. Oh, and, and one final one: who does who does Texas A and M hire? Who who will be the next I, it, head I, coach I, of the Texas A and would I would I would be I think it'll end up being Elko. I just I, I think that everything points to that right now. <clears throat> yeah, I think Elko trailer is kind of to me where. Where and I and, and like, you know, I know that that's not the the sexy pick, you know, if if you're some if you want that big name. But I think Trailer would do well there, man. I, I love he was a great dude. I got to know him a little bit when he was at Texas and awesome dude. You know, like you can see you can tell real easily why people want to play for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, and it, it like and, and it's is. <laughs> I mean, this isn't a part of the decision-making process, but doesn't he just look and sound like a Texas A&M football coach? Like, yeah, just just kind of like he's – and that's who he's been. I mean, going back to his days in East Texas at Gilmer and stuff like that, I mean, that's just kind of who he is. So, yeah, I do think – I do think two big names to watch are Kiffin and and Dabo. Agreed. I I agree. Um, As a – as a Longhorn football fan, um, Lanning was the one, one that I was like, "Oh man, yes. if he ends up there." Yeah. That was the one. Lanning, that I think Lanning was the people. one that scared me. Yeah, and then and he gave the, the best answer you could possibly give to not yeah. to take yourself out of the picture. If, if he if he somehow ended up there, like you can't believe any other coaching statement ever. Again. Right? Yeah. No, it'd just be like, nope, it's all agent talk. Not that it's smart to do so, but I mean that was pretty emphatic. Yeah. No, I that Lane doesn't love recruiting. Um, and he rubs enough people the wrong way. I, I mean, he's obviously a great football. It's coach. weird. He doesn't like recruiting, but he also at every opportunity complains that he doesn't have the players that these other places have. Yeah. Well, and I I don't know why the Dabo doesn't scare me at all. No. Uh, he he's just I, I could see it happening, but like I just like it's just the time. Like if if anybody was going to poach him, now is the now is the time with his yeah with everything with that's happened. Tyler yeah, from yeah. Spartanburg and, and, the, <laughs> and the the record yeah. this year and and all that sort of stuff. Like if there were ever a time, it was it would be now. And now that I think about it too, he's made some bizarre comments about nil, and we know how much of a yeah of a piece of a puzzle that is at a And M, and rightfully so. I mean, if you've got it, use it um so yeah but yeah just kiffin is always like i think he's always eyed the places that get the talent that he doesn't get um at Ole Miss. but uh it just would be a such a bizarre fit there it just would be yeah, uh, it, I, I don't, it'd just be a really really weird fit so um we'll see we'll see yeah. what, we'll see what happens we'll see what happens this week in, in college football and uh yeah, if there's any drama with with the playoff picture as as the weeks are are winding down here uh, before the uh, before the regular season concludes, but well, that wraps us up uh, for the 134th um, episode of the Five Tool Podcast, uh, brought to you by our friends at Hitforth. Uh, if you've ever gone to a college prospect camp, and we talk about those a lot and how big a piece of the puzzle they are, uh, you've probably noticed that coaches are tracking everything. 
Uh, many staffs will even have TrackMan showing live info on their video board during BP and scrimmages. Uh, it's not just eye candy. They track data such as exit velocity and bat speed because it helps them identify skill sets that will translate and work at the college level. And more and more high schools are doing this as well. In fact, one of the most prominent high school programs in Austin, Texas, sends an email to incoming freshmen detailing what they view as acceptable exit velocity and bat speed. Simply put, if you can't hit the ball hard enough and consistently enough, you aren't going to get as many looks in high school and in college. So the game moves more and more towards embracing tech and data. You're doing yourself a disservice if you aren't training with a staff that utilizes and understands both. The team at Hitforth in Austin, Texas is creating the standard for developing explosive and adjustable hitters. When you train at Hitforth, you will develop the power coaches are looking for, whether challenging the fences or drilling hard liners all over the field. Learning to move faster and swing faster will also make you a more adjustable hitter and improve your ability to make contact. Because the quicker you can swing the bat means the more time to recognize pitches before deciding to swing. The best part about Hitforth is the accountability. Since the staff tracks every aspect of every swing you take, you get objective feedback about your improvements. Numbers don't lie. Check out hitforth.com to learn how you can get started. H-I-T-F-O-R-T-H.com. Uh, and again, the most important part of their puzzle, I think, is, is the accountability aspect because you literally... I mean, they say it, you get objective feedback with every swing. It Literally, you do. Like, here's the video. Here's how hard you hit it. Here's where the pitch location was. Like, all of that. And it's just compiling all this data and information to help guide your development um, as, as a player, and mainly as a hitter. And they've got some, I mean, there are plenty of examples on their Instagram page. I hit fourth Twitter page as well. Um, guys making major, major, major gains, exit velocity gains, but also swing gains too. Like you can just see it in the way these guys are moving their swings, how it's all syncing up, how they're more explosive movers and, and all that sort of stuff really, 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 really matters. I mean, it matters at the high school level. It matters at the college level. It's, it's what the pro scouts are looking for as well. Like you have got to hit the ball hard enough to be able to perform as you, as you advance in levels. Like there are guys I was looking at under 2025, uh, five to 55. And it's just like, there are some guys that can really, really impact the baseball and are going to continue to grow into that. And that sort of stuff matters because that's what colleges are valuing. That's what pro scouts are valuing. You've got to be able to hit the ball hard enough uh, to get results as you get, get up in competition and start seeing better stuff. You got to have better bat speed all those things as well. I can't recommend those guys strongly enough. It's the best place in central Texas uh, to go get better as a hitter uh, and to learn about, you know, what matters from the strength and conditioning side, how to improve your movements, how to improve your strength in ways that are going to translate on the field. Again, H-I-T-F-O-R-T-H dot com. Uh, Well, that wraps us up. Uh, We hope everybody has a good week. Have a good weekend. Until we talk to you all next time, take care.